All right, welcome to Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone. This week, have a very cool episode with you here, with you here, for you here. <laughs> and um, if you are a fan of hard rock and metal, uh, maybe thrash music, you definitely know that recently one of my favorite bands, Megadeth, did something that they've never done before in their history for various reasons that we will get into shortly. They played at the Budokan in Japan. And lo and behold, I know somebody that was at the Budokan show. Not only was it special for that, there were some other special things going on too. But let's get him on the line first here. He's already here. He's looking at me. His name is the official detention teacher, Gen Maryutani in Chiba, Japan. Gen, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you, Uncle Steve? Doing great, man. I'm doing great. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad we're getting to do this. Yes, I'm excited. Yeah. So, obviously, Megadeth plays at the Budokan less than a week ago from the time we're talking. Um, so, to get into talking about this, I wanted to ask you first off, how did you originally get into Megadeth? Like, do you remember what you first heard? So, if you listen to my Iron Maiden story, you already know about the cassette tape I got okay. from my cram school teacher. And there were a couple of songs of Megadeth that was Holy Wars and Hunger 18. Okay. My first impression, to be honest, was I thought it was, hmm, I don't know how to put it. Not boring, but I thought, to be honest, those two songs are the most, uh, I mean, least commercial songs. Sure. Compared to other bands. Sure. And, I mean, you know, if you think about it, those two songs don't have, you know, like traditional song structure like you know verse pre-chorus chorus you know sure but song changes over and over i mean hunger 18 it's like the instrumental parts are much longer than you know singing part <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so i you know even after i got into metal i thought like okay mega this is not for me like that was my impression. I got into like Iron Maiden, Halloween, Metallica, and even uh, some of Arch Enemy. So Arch Enemy, do you know Arch Enemy? Uh, I'm I'm aware of them, but I'm not too aware. It's it's like a mellow. It has some melody, melodic death metal. Mm-hmm. So even though I got into much more extreme bands, I didn't get mega death. Interesting. Yeah, That's but you know, after I started, you know, buying CDs, I started reading metal magazines. You always see Megadeth name, you know. Sure. So I was like, man, okay. If everybody thinks this band is so great, I listen only two songs, so mm-hmm. maybe I should not be judgmental. So I got the compilation album. Uh, the what was the name? Capital Punishment. Okay. And the first song was Kill the King, and I was like, mm, okay, it's it it had more, you know, it had like, 
like more traditional song structure there. You know, it had verse, it had it it got kind of strained to chorus. You know, don't have pre-chorus, but still, I was like, okay, it's it's more kind of accessible. Mm-hmm. Then the next song was Dread and the Fugitive Mind. <laughs> that song, like, I was blown away. <laughs> I mean, from the beginning, I was like, man, this song is so cool. And it had, you know, it was cool in the sense because in the singing part, it has traditional song structure. Yeah. You know, it has verse, pre-chorus, chorus. Yeah, after that, when it gets to instrumental parts, they have, you know, a couple transitions. Yeah. And you don't know what's going to happen next, you know. Right. And by the time I I was, you know, playing guitar in the band, and the solo was, man, like both Dave's and our, our solo, our mm. Petretti. Yeah. The solos are amazing yeah mm-hmm. and i was like man this band is really really cool then that completion i was really interested because it was in the order backwards from newest one to oldest okay okay so it starts from you know after that it was crushing from risk oh. and the cryptic writings and euthanasia and in that order interesting interesting so it was much more um i don't say commercial in this but more accessible sure sure easy to listen to you know then i was like okay cryptic writings i i got that album and i thought that was really cool then after that slowly like I certainly appreciated more earlier albums like, you know, uh, Peace Cells, Rust in Peace. Sure, sure. Uh, when I listened to Rust in Peace, I was like, okay, Holy Wars, yeah, okay, I already knew that, Hunger 18. But when I listened to Tornado Souls, uh-huh. man, that, you know, I mean, that guitar solo is, I think, one of the best in the entire history of heavy metal. Oh, yeah. And, then I got into Megadeth a lot. I think uh, so. That was two thousand, maybe two, two thousand three. And after uh, Dave restarted the band, you know, released the system has failed. Yeah. And then I got really into the band. I was like, man, this album is so good. <laughs> then, okay. And I bought pretty much the entire catalog. Okay, so I thought you were going to say it was because you just thought Dave was so polite, like because, you know, you're listening to the album, he's like, let me introduce myself. (laughs) Yeah. I love love that song. You know, I don't care much about lyrics, but that song is one of the few songs that I memorized entire lyrics. Yeah? Yeah, I love that song so much. When you you first... uh, at the time when you were hearing all that, you weren't married yet, right? So when you first met your wife, like the first time you ever started, you walk up and go, let me introduce myself. <laughs> Money, you're like, I'm getting my Yatani. <laughs> uh, 
I'm glad to do that. Uh, <laughs> I love I love that introduction so much. It's just I know it's so Dave. You know, it's like so so when you first I, I am curious though because you know Dave Mustaine's voice is mm-hmm. not you know you were hearing like you said Halloween and you were hearing uh, Maiden so. Dave's voice, obviously, of those three, is totally different. Totally, like he he calls himself a vocalist and not a singer. Yeah. So, what did you what, what was your take when you first like? Did you like his voice right off? Did it just fit well for you, or what? No, like first seriously, like when I listened to Holy Words, I I my first impression was okay. This song doesn't have much melody, you yeah, know, vocal, and I mean. Now, I, when I look back, like he is not like Bruce Dickinson or like Rob Hartford. Um, I mean, Rob Hartford, you know, sure. Um, like you said, uh, that was Joe Rogan's experience, right? He said, like, I'm not a singer, I'm a vocalist, yeah, yeah. Well, he said, no, he said that, uh, he said that to Chris Jericho, I remember. I oh, do- oh, yeah, yeah, that was Chris Jericho, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. After, after you talked. About that in the podcast, I listened to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was very interesting hearing him say that because it was because you know instead of trying to come across as he's a great singer, he he's just like, look, I do what I need to do. Mm-hmm. I like that. But after I I, uh, I got into the Capital Punishment, the compilation album, yeah, I realized you know he is not really like his singing is more about like attitude and getting message out rather than like singing well like other like Bruce Dickinson sure. or like Michael Kiske or you know those I don't say typical but like you know like heavy metal singers right and that's something I really appreciated about his you know vocal is like he is really good at using his voice to get his message out. Sure. Like when he's like really singing about like like anger or like you know those attitude he has. On the other hand, like you know he has like kind of soft side, like the song like Aturmon. Yeah. Like when he sings like softer or like uh, even like coming home from the war needs a hero uh-huh. like he has he also has that softer side but most of you know the as a vocalist i really like him with that kind of attitude oh yeah angry kind of you know voice it's it's really cool because so many singers you know like bruce you listen to bruce he, he doesn't generally sound mad when he's singing, but you can hear, you can hear it in Dave's voice. You know, it's just, you can hear the attitude and it's just, you know, and you follow along with the career for so long and you can really hear it. It's just really cool. So, so, um, obviously it was a few days back. You went and saw Megadeth at the Budokan. And I know how far in advance did you know about this con? Like how far, how long have you had these tickets? So I got this, I remember, but I'm pretty sure it was like October or even, I think that was like right before they released the album. So okay, that was maybe like October. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's been a while then. So 
let's try to think if we should talk about the show first or yeah, let's talk about, let's just go right into the show here because, uh, well now first uh, this too, how many times have you ever seen Megadeth live before this? No, actually. Ooh, very cool. Well, then there is something we have in common because the first time we saw Megadeth live, each of us, Marty Friedman was there. (laughs) I saw, I saw Megadeth. I was trying to remember exactly how many times and I don't totally remember. I know I saw them twice, at least on the rust in peace tour. Um, yeah, I saw them opening for once for Judas priest who was on their painkiller tour. Um, I saw them on the clash of the Titans, which was, uh, anthrax, Megadeth slayer and Allison chains, which is cool. Uh, I saw them. I know I saw them in between there at times. I can't remember all those, but I, the last time I saw them was on the world needs a hero tour, which as you, as in our texting, you mentioned that that was with Al and, um, uh, uh, Jimmy DeGrasso on drums. So, uh, so it's been a long time. It's been a long time for me. I mean, I, to see them in live in person, I still haven't seen them since then. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my cousin, uh, him and his wife went and saw Megadeth open one time. I only have to, I have to bring this up cause it's very famous. Megadeth opened for Aerosmith for, oh. for about one week or two weeks before they got kicked off the tour. And, uh, my cousin and his wife got to see Megadeth opening for Aerosmith before they got kicked off. <laughs> it was, uh, I think Dave was up there. I can't remember why, but he was up there running his mouth a lot about Aerosmith. Like it's kind of like, uh, Bruce running his mouth about Ozzy. Uh, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like, why are you doing that there? You're their guest. Just go up there and play your show, you know? So unless he was doing it on purpose for attention, which may be possible. I don't know, but, um, yeah, that's the, so that's the last time I saw, um, Aerosmith. That's the last time I saw Megadeth. So I figured let's, let's go over the set list of the, well, you know what? Let me do this first. The Budokan. Okay. I paid for the video because they had a live stream and I tried to watch it the night it came out, but it was three. It it didn't start till 3 AM for me. And, and then it said when I was watching, I remember it said the show will start in 15 minutes, but, and I don't know if they played the lead up to the show, you know, they had the little intro thing with Marty and everything. I don't know if that was before the first live stream or not. But if it would have been, that was another 15 or 20 minutes. I would have, it would have been four o'clock before the show even started for me. And then it would have been another two hours for the show. I wouldn't have been going to bed till six o'clock. It wouldn't have been good for me. So I'm not that young anymore. So, um, you, you have seen though, the, the pre-show thing they did. I've seen it. Basically it starts out where they show each of the band members at home getting ready to get on airplanes and, and fly to Japan. Uh, they get to Japan. They kind of show them doing lots of photo shoots and things like that. And when I start watching that, it makes me feel for these guys like, man, they really everywhere they go. It's probably like this. People want to take pictures. People want to, you know, have him on a radio station or whatever. And they show Marty talking before he, you know, he's talking about how 
He always wanted to kind of do this if they ever did it. He said, if the call came, the call did come. He did, you know, so then they show him talking. They show the band talking about meeting Marty before they meet him. They show Marty talking about meeting the band before he meets him. Then they show, I guess, right when he meets the band, he's there. He gives Dave a hug or whatever. And Dave's immediately, I want to introduce you to some people. And Marty's like, yes, please. And I thought, let me, let me ask you first. Cause he introduces them to, I think it was, uh, I'm trying to think of who he introduced them to first. Was it, it was the bass player first. I think yeah, James, James Lomenzo. Uh, then he introduces him to Kiko. And no, he was Dirk. Dirk. Okay. He wasn't there. Yeah, he was, wasn't he? No, he 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 didn't come to his dressing room then. So the guitar guy is not here. So uh, Marty okay. and Kiko met at the backstage. I mean, right beside. Oh, the okay, okay. So he meets Dirk, and I personally thought that he was so like Mar- uh, Marty. Because, you know, Marty had this reputation in the past of doing interviews and saying, I'm not talking about Megadeth. Like, and and it irritated me because I was like, look, no one would want to interview you if you were never in Megadeth. You know, I mean, I get it. You don't want to talk the whole time about it, but that was a big, you know, chunk of your musical life that everybody cares about. You know, he was in the band for, I think, 10 years. You know, from about eighty nine ish to nine to right around because the risk came out ninety nine, so they would have toured that. So he was probably in the band for eleven or twelve years. Mm -hmm. So to not want to talk about it just always irritated me. So I didn't, I wasn't really fond of him anymore. I just, you know, I think I said as much. But you know, the fact that he's going to show up and play with Megadeth and. And all the nice, and he he immediately talked to Dirk, and he just went on about how great his drumming was, and just, and I thought, man, it was really nice, and you could tell, to me, it like that Dirk, it was almost like Dirk was getting to meet a rock star, yeah, like you know he is a rock star, he's in a band with one of the biggest rock stars, you know, with Dave, but he already knows Dave, now he's meeting basically someone from from folklore, you know, so. What did you? What were you thinking watching all this? Oh, I thought that was really a heartwarming moment. I mean, the Marty was really cool, and you know, like Dirk was saying, like his first Megadeth show was Clash of Titans tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like you said, like he was like literally meeting his rock rock hero, and I kind of. I was really, because like you said, um, you know, Marty didn't talk about Megadeth for a long time. Sure. I mean, he, he, he's been pretty open about it, like the last several years. Yeah. But like right after he left the band, like he didn't want to talk about it. And I think the part of the reason why cause is even though his relationship with Dave wasn't bad, you know, when he left, like they both understood why he had to go. Yeah. But the re- I think the part of it, like Dave was saying, like, um, the bread line from Risk. Yeah. You know, they, they replaced Marty's solo. And di- did you hear about that story? No. Actually, so like he, you know, Marty played the solo for, you know, yeah, bread line. But I guess the label didn't like it. So 
they told Dave to, you know, replace the solo and play the solo for the song. And Dave actually did it, but they told the label guy that, you know, okay, I will do it, but you have to tell Marty, you know, yeah. about this. Yeah. But apparently nobody told him. So at Never. the end of wow. the yeah, at the end of the recording, like, you know, the band listens to the whole album, you know, together. Uh-huh. They had a listening session. The Marty heard the bread line that he started crying because he that's the first time he found out that his guitar solo was re- replaced. Wow. So I think in the sense, I guess he was pretty bitter about, you know, sure. his very last experience in Megadeth. And well, you know, you think I, about think about why wouldn't Dave have just told him? Yeah. True. You know, you're Dave's in the band. Why is he telling uh, that that almost I mean, that almost really is just that sounds like not the truth. Because why wouldn't Dave have just said what well, they're recording the album, they probably toured the album. Why wouldn't Dave have said, "Hey," or or just said, "I need you, you know, hey, I'll get I'll get Marty to re-record it." That almost sounds like it was done purposely. Maybe well, Actually, Dave said, like, they've done that before. Like, okay. replacing somebody's solo. You know, yeah. that they've replaced somebody's solo before. Yeah. Several times. But why wouldn't he have told... It just it seems bizarre that, hey, you're in the band with me. They probably... Surely, you think they... Back then, it wasn't internet, you know, where people were sending internet, you know, solos over the internet. And the, You think he would have just said... Hey, the you know the label did not like his solo, which seems bizarre too. Why would the label be listening to the solo and going, "Yeah, we don't like this"? That seems a little weird to me. There, there's probably a truth somewhere in there, but I guess it doesn't really matter. It's anyway. That's a that's an interesting story. I never heard. Yeah, I didn't know that. Like until like a couple of weeks ago, I <laughs> read the Dave's interview. I'm like, really? Wow. Oh wow. Okay. Okay. So. So then he, of course, he meets Kiko, uh, and I thought the meeting, the meeting that he had with Kiko and with Dirk, both of those meetings was really, you know, it was really cool. Yeah, it was. And I, something else I thought was cool was, I think, I, I don't remember if Dirk said it later or if uh, James said it, but that he was talking about when they were playing together on stage and he said, you could see they were both looking at each other, seeing what is he doing there and what's he it was, and I thought it was cool watching them. Uh, I, I will get into that when we talk about the show. Actually, okay. how, how they how they were on stage together, mm-hmm. but um, you know, there's a, another bit where they have the band is all in a room, right? Dave is sitting across from Marty, and yeah. then and, which is kind of weird. And then the other three guys are all on a little couch together. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I know <laughs> but. Dave is sitting there like it's Marty. I know Marty, you know, I helped jumpstart Marty's career kind of. And the other three guys are all like, which I thought it was weird because James Lomenzo. Okay. He, now I know why I'm confused because I was thinking James Lomenzo played on risk, but that was uh, Jimmy DeGrasso played on risk drums. Mm -hmm. And David Ellison was still in the band at that time, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. That's I was thinking that backwards. I was thinking that he played on that album, and I was like, because he was like, 
Marty was like, oh, we've met before. And, and, and he was like, no, no, we've never met. So I thought that was interesting, but, um, I thought it was cool listening to Marty and his perspective that he said right there, because he said, we all know that Megadeth is Dave and that he goes and he gets the people that he needs to make it work for the band. And I, the, the whole thing that he talked about there, I found that to be very interesting. Like I was like, it seemed really spot on to me. Did you agree? Yeah, I do. And, you know, he was saying like, it's pretty amazing. Like, you know, the Dave is always Dave and like, but he always gets the right guys. Yeah. For and, and, you know, you know, including Marty, like people put some inputs. Sure. But, you know, and here and there, but, it's Dave Mustaine's band, and which is true. I mean, you know, there are a lot of times he was the only right now too that he's the only original member. Sure, and he's the brain of the band. Right, but if you think about it, like you know, he was saying like you know, even though like you know, the band has like up and down, like, but basically he's been always delivering like great albums, like yeah. high quality albums, and, like right. And he's like. Marty was saying, like, you know, not many people can actually do that. Uh-huh. And I was like, yeah, that's true. Basically, like, he's been writing. I mean, there's, I believe there's no one single song that he's not credited to, like, David's not credited to. Yeah, I don't know. They're, I mean, I know that they've, uh, other than covers, I don't think, yeah, I think he's probably, yeah. he's probably mm-hmm. listed on everything. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. <clears throat> think about it like i mean there's no such a band yeah 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 even yeah even as controlling and hands-on as steve harris is there's a lot of you know there's plenty of songs that that are smith dickinson or you know murray dickinson or whatever so yeah interesting yeah i never thought about oscar that's true like man they've been doing like crazy job yeah and and like he was saying uh one thing Marty said was he, when he first was talking to the band as a whole, he said that you guys, I think this is what he said to them in the hall uh, when he first met him. And he was like, you guys have a different groove than yeah, I remember than I've ever heard from anything Megadeth's ever done. He said, it's really awesome. And I was, I just thought his comp, his compliments seemed pretty sincere yeah. and they were music based. It wasn't like he was just going, you know, he, I'm back here listening to you guys and you sound amazing. And, course you know he's probably like like even though marty looks like he just got out of a time machine <laughs> dave mustaine he's probably hearing megadeth and thinking they sound like they just got out of a time machine because they still sound great yep uh, so i guess let's see that they had that conversation it all leads to them playing on stage together for the rehearsal which is interesting to watch you know it's uh because you know they never played together before, and they're obviously there's a couple of songs in the set list, or at least one song in the set list that was there, and it makes me makes me wonder if Marty didn't ask for it, but we'll get there too. So let's get into the set list here, what the band actually played. Um, so you were at the show, so I thought I, I want to say this, and I want to ask what you thought. 
you know, the band comes on, or obviously the lights go down, you know, the crowd cheers. Um, have you, let me ask, have you watched the live stream of it as well? No. Well, actually, there's a, because there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of bits where I saw people in the crowd not wearing masks. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, and I, I was always kind of giving a cheer for them when I saw them. Like, <laughs> th- those are the defiant people. I'll say. So, so, I, I, I've watched a couple of videos yeah. from live stream, like some people uploading on the YouTube. Sure. That they were all taken down right away. That was pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, when they come on, obviously they start with Prince of Darkness, mm-hmm. and this, and you were, if I'm remembering, if I'm remembering right from looking at your pictures, if you're staring at the stage, you were kind of up, and if I'm looking at the stage, I'm saying you were on the right side of the stage, up in the yes, balcony. Yes, okay, yes. okay. Yeah. So could you see everything really well up there? Oh yeah, like you almost had a straight on view in a way. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So you know the the stage that the, they come on. There's the, the the stuff going on on the screen, and you know, and it gets to the part where you know of the chorus of Prince of Darkness. You know where he's like, you know, I've started. You know, I've killed more than than all the nation's wars. Unpredictable, unrelentless, and all that stuff. And then it where it starts up where it, where it would go dun 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 dun, and then the music just stops. And Dirk is standing there with both of his arms raised up with a spotlight, and I was just like, that looked awesome. <laughs> oh, How, yeah. And then have you, have you watched them go into Hangar Eighteen? Because let me ask you if you agree or disagree with this. It, I don't know how they, I don't, I'm going to say, I don't know how Dirk does it because it looks like he's standing up with both arms in the air and it looks like he falls straight into his drum set and right when his butt hits the seat, it's like, like, and I'm like, what if he fell sideways a little bit and his foot doesn't hit land right on the drum or, or maybe he was standing with his feet on the pedals already. And, and, but I was like the timing I'm wondering if they had like a click track or something in their ear. Yeah, they do actually. They must because the timing, and I mean, I'm speaking a little ahead here, but the timing on all of these songs was impeccable. And mm-hmm. the starts and this, because there's a lot of starts and stops. And, you know, like, you know, like things like that where you don't hear anyone going, one, two, three, dun, 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 dun. It's just like they go straight into it, and it's also like like you think they're listening, and it's going three, two, one, dun, 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 you know, whatever. So, so you know, it's very interesting because I was wondering about exactly the same thing. So I was like checking the uh, live recordings, you know, uh-huh. and until two thousand seventeen. The dark was doing the you know one two three like the counting sure. in every song yeah but they stopped doing that from two thousand eighteen interesting interesting yeah. and actually there's a uh, the soundboard bootleg from last tour okay the Japanese concert and you actually can hear the click sound ah okay yeah and you know it's crazy because like in Japan what they do is like you know nowadays. They use like in-ear monitor, right? The, yes. Like, and those are wireless. Sure. So what they do is like they bring like those like 
receivers, like machines. Okay. And they connect straight to like the band's in-ear monitor and they catch it. Interesting. And they record the whole thing with it. So in Japan nowadays, like if like the big names come to Japan, pretty much you can get some ball recording every show. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So then the last tour, they had click, but they didn't have those counting. Mm-hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. I, but from 2018, the dark stopped counting that, you know, every song at the beginning of the, every song. So I guess they shifted to whole, like, the click. Yeah, yeah. I guess. So, okay, so so let me, let me go backwards here a little bit. Yeah. The lights go down. The lights go down, and you, in your mind, you're thinking, I'm going to see Megadeth now for the very first time. And Megadeth is obviously one of your favorite bands. Like, how are you? Just describe to me, you know, as as the music, as the Prince of Darkness thing is playing up to the point where the light, where, where it stops and Dirk is standing there. What are you thinking? I don't think I was thinking anything. I was just screaming like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, we all went nuts after Hunger 18 started. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. That was like, I mean, I got like, as soon as I saw Dirk standing right there, like, I got huge goosebumps. And yeah. I, I, man, that was, that was great. I can say watching from the live stream and just like I said, when he was standing there, I was like, that was just so cool that, you know, I don't, did you happen to notice? Cause they got the screen playing. So did you notice before the spotlight hit Dirk? Did you already notice? Oh, there he is. He's standing back there. Or did you? It's funny. Cause I didn't see Dirk coming because before he, you know, the, the light went dark. I already saw Kiko from right side. Okay. Okay. I could see Kiko was standing right there. I was like, Kiko, Kiko. I was screaming yeah. Kiko's name. And then, like, boom, and the light went down, and the dark was there, you know, standing. Okay. Like, oh okay. my gosh, it's, it's going to begin, you know. It's such a great, that, that moment, that, that, that couple of minutes from mm-hmm. the, like, when those lights go down, like, I, I was listening to, the other day to, um, what was I listening to? Uh, I, Maybe it was on the episode I did uh, with um, the the episode with uh, the Dave Murray interview on it, and I have James's thing. And after he gets done talking, between that and the interview is the end of Doctor Doctor, where mm-hmm. you get the drum hit, but down and now, and I'm listening to it, and I'm just like, I don't do this every time I hear it, but I'm just thinking in my mind, I'm just listening to it, and I'm like, you know, when you're at an Iron Maiden show. And you hear that one drum hit because the whole song's been playing. You know, okay, man, we're like a minute away from, and and then and then it's like da na na da na da bum 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 bum. And about then, you know, the house lights kind of go down, and then all the lights go down, bow, and then the lights drop, and it's just like. And I remember sitting in my car and just kind of thinking about the times I've seen Maiden over the years. And it's just like immediately when it goes bow and then the lights. And I kept thinking about it, just how you just immediately like it, here it is. And it's just such an elation to feel, you know, and, and knowing like I was sitting here, wa- you know, watching the reap, you know, play of it and just thinking of you being there 
And just and especially when they showed Dirk and he was standing there with the lights, and I was just like, wow. Just I was jealous. I was super, super jealous because that feeling is it's just something you only get. You know, you only get it when you go to a show when when the lights go down. It's just it's it's unlike anything else, you know. I was so jealous. So so they went into hangar eighteen and um what were you, how did you like immediately when they started, did you notice any, let's say during hangar 18, did you, did the band sound perfect from the get go? Did you feel like you were hearing uh, adjustments happening at all during the song? Maybe vocals getting louder, quieter. Oh yeah. 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 Um, they're quite, I mean, first of all, Budokan is not really good venue for concert. Actually, <laughs> It's kind of funny because like so many people play there. Yeah. But, I mean, Budokan itself is for actually martial arts match. Okay. Budo is martial arts, so that was for you know, that venue was built for like uh, like fighting matches. Gotcha. So at the beginning, actually, it was weird because like every time the Kiko plays solo, we could not hear anything David was playing. Really? Yeah, that was really weird. They, I think they fixed it by the time the first song, songs. But first two songs, every time Kiko, you okay? Yeah, 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 I'm good. Okay. Yeah, first two songs, like every time Kiko play, or like they play solo, then the other guy, I, we could not hear the other guy's guitar. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. And I that- think that, but... Well, listen to the streaming, it was fine. So I think it was problem with the speaker rather than the soundboard. Right. Yeah, they probably can hear it in the ears, but it's the outward. Yeah, I'm kind of wondering because usually during the first song is when no, no matter how many times they practice it up, it's just you know now. And there was no opening band, right? No. Okay. Cool. That's to me. I I, I like that. I like when you go see. The headlining act, and they just, and that's who comes out and plays. Now, you, you guys did not see, they didn't show that, 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 uh, video before you, right? They didn't, there wasn't any, like they weren't playing the video of Marty meeting the band and all that before. Oh, no. Okay. So we, we had no idea they had the documentary. Okay. Okay. I just didn't know if that was something. I know sometimes they'll do that with bands nowadays. So, had, now, you, had made a like you were guessing <laughs> the set list now and I didn't I was not aware of this but you told me that you had already seen set lists from the tour so I so that definitely helps I guess because because before we go into the set list here I will say they played 16 songs and Gen guessed 12 of them right which I was very impressed by. <laughs> And then you told me, well, I have, you know, seen the set list before. And I was like, yeah. what they were playing before this. And I was like, okay, well, that definitely. <clears throat> yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm used to it. I'm used to it. You know, I have to hear Matt's opinions a lot in there. But um, so you predicted Hangar 18 was going to be the opener. Is that what they were opening with before? Yeah. Okay. I mean, they've been opening that for last, like, what, six, seven years. Okay, okay, okay. So um the they go into song number two. 
And and me, I'll be honest, I don't know anything about their set list that they've been playing. I mean, you know, I can always, if I was guessing, I would just go, okay, they'll be playing P-Cells. They'll play Holy Wars. They'll play Hangar 18. They'll play, uh, I'm just trying to look, Symphony of Destruction, um, Sweating Bullets, um, maybe In My Darkest Hour, uh, maybe trying to think of what else I would think just would be a staple. Uh, you know, maybe. Oh yeah. Okay. I didn't say that one. Okay. Yeah. Symphony destruction, uh, you know, stuff like that. I just, I, so I didn't know that, you know, they played hangar 18 and you enjoyed hangar 18. I enjoyed hangar 18. Cause it's just, you know, lots of guitars and, but, but I had no idea what was coming next. Uh, you, your original guess on your set list was your realistic guess was dread and the fugitive mind. So what was, what was track number two? Well, dread and the fugitive mind. How did you feel when they went into dread and the fugitive? Now, were they playing this before as well? Yes. Last year. Okay. Cause when you said that, I was just like, that was a wild guess that he guessed this, right? Wow. That's an amazing guess. So, so you you had a little in, you had a little intel there. So, uh, what did you think when they went into it though? Oh, I don't know. Like, I, that was something. You know, obviously, like I got really emotional later for obvious reason, but that song got me really emotional too. Because like when I was a high school kid. I practiced this song like on my guitar so many times. Oh, cool! So I, you know, I could, I could like sing every line. I could, I, I know Dave's guitar solo. I couldn't, unfortunately, I couldn't play our solo because it's too hard. Yeah. But, but I got to be honest, I got pretty emotional during that song. Oh man, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Well, I was sitting on the couch in my living room about five feet away from my bedroom door. And, you know, I had headphones on and I was just listening to it. Cause I, I basically worked that day. Uh, Cause it was like, say it happened at three in the morning. My time is when it kind of probably three thirty is when it started. So there wasn't no way I could watch it. I got up, I went to work. I got home that night at about eight 30 or nine o'clock. And I, I came in and my wife was sitting there watching a, something on a lap, doing something on the laptop. And, so everyone was kind of doing stuff and I was like, you know what? Let me get this thing ready cuz I want to watch it. As soon as everyone goes to bed, I'm turning this mo- you know, turning this on cuz I want to watch it and when and when they went into Dread and the Fugitive of Mind, I just remember think I, I mean I I didn't remember what your proposed set list was at the time. I was just like kind of going into it, you know, like the way I want to, which you know, fresh. I had to avoid Twitter all day because I remember getting on there and immediately seeing a post from you that said spoilers. And I was just like, Oh no, I can't. (laughs) And, and I, the only thing I saw was you had said that they played countdown to extinction. That's what I saw, which I was like, okay, I can't look at. So I literally, all I did on Twitter all day was, was check messages if I had messages. So, and I, I, I think I even went into our Twitter Patreon group chat and I just said, I'm not on Twitter today, guys. Thanks to one guy. <laughs> so when it started though, I just remember going, 
oh, this is awesome. I couldn't believe it. I mean, it was like, it was to hear, you know, to hear him had to, da 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 let me introduce myself, you know? It's like, and I thought it was cool because, let me ask you this, because I, I, this is my feeling throughout the show. The songs where the lyrics are a lot quicker together, I think Dave struggles a little more. But on a song like this or a song like, you know, Angry Again, a song like uh, maybe Trust, you know, songs where he's not singing so fast, where it's, he really did a, I'll be honest, man, I was watching his mouth like a hawk to see if he was lip singing sometimes because he sounded so good. I never thought I saw anything that appeared to be, you know, pre-recorded or anything, you know, and nowadays that's such a big topic. So I was really like, please don't let Dave get caught doing that because Dave is like, you know, when I'm, if I was listening to my top five favorite rock star people, you know, Dave, like Blackie Lawless and Dave are like right at the top. And, and I know Blackie Lawless has a certain amount of, you know, that they're doing, but I thought Dave sounded really good. I mean, you know, he sounds as good as Dave's going to sound at, you know, mid sixties, but I thought he sounded really good. And this song came across really well. It sounded great live. I was super, super jealous that you were getting to hear it. Even though as you informed me, I have seen them perform this song live. (laughs) They opened with it when I saw them the last time. I have no recollection of that. It's too long ago, but, um, but man, it was, I was so like, I literally was like, this is amazing. The fact that they're playing dread and the fugitive mind. Oh, so good. So good. So, um, but sad part was like, nobody was singing except like me around like where I was sitting. Yeah. Like no one knew the lyrics of the song because, you know, they haven't played since 2002. I'll say this. Um, it's probably just been in the last six or seven months that I pulled out the world needs a hero. And, and, and honestly, there's still Megadeth albums. I've never heard. There's still, um, let's see. Uh, you mentioned one earlier, super collider. I've never heard super collider. I've never heard, uh, 13. I've never heard. Um, I don't remember what's before. Uh, What's before that one? Endgame. I have heard Endgame. I do like Endgame. Uh, what's before Endgame? Uh, United Abomination. I've never heard that one. And before that is... Uh... That's a fail. Okay, I've heard that one. So there's three albums I've never... I still haven't completely heard yet. But um, The World Needs a Hero, I didn't listen to it a lot back then. But I listened to it enough because I turned it on and listen, I was listening to it you know, I, you know, a few times and... You know, Dread and the Fugitives of Mine is definitely the standout track on that album. And um, getting to hear it, and I mean, like as soon as it starts, I was like, I, I did a phone call recently with George and uh, uh, Andrew and Sonia. Me and Vanessa were talking to them. And I was asking George, because George is going to see Megadeth uh, with Andrew and Sonia pretty soon. And 
So I, I was trying to think of songs to tell him to hear. And I was like, have you ever heard Dread in the Fugitive Mind? That's the one song I asked him about. He's like, no. So I pulled it out of my phone right then and I played it. Let me introduce myself. And and he just was like, oh, that sounds really cool. So I was like hoping he'll check that out. And I hope he gets to hear it. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I love it. I love, love, love that song. So song number three on your proposed realistic guest list. Let me look and see uh, if you even have it on here. You don't. That's one of the very few songs you didn't have guessed. But song number three, they went into The Threat Is Real, which when they first started playing it, it took me a minute to figure out which song it was. And, And I don't know if it's because I was listening to it on headphones, you know, from a streaming concert. Like I knew it was from the, the dystopia, but I was just like, man, which song is it? Which song is it? it t- you know, it took me a minute, and then I was like, oh wow, it's the opening track. Okay, which surprised me because I wasn't expecting that. Uh, but it sounded good. I thought it was cool that they were playing something from the most recent album as well. They weren't just completely, you know, like like Maiden will do. They'll play a lot of songs from an album, and then you know, the last time I saw Iron Maiden, they didn't play anything from the Book of Souls. So. What what did you think when they went into the thread is real? That was really cool. I thought. I mean, that's something. Yeah, you're right. Like I didn't guess it because, like, actually, they last year they played the thread is real at the beginning of the tour, but they dropped it. Oh wow! That's the reason why I was like, okay, maybe if they dropped it, maybe they're gonna put it back again. So that's the reason I didn't put in my guess. Ah. List. Yeah. But, but the. You know, like the the song, the bass drum of the song is pretty crazy. Yeah. You know, the, the original one that Chris Adler did. Oh, right. I mean, he unisons with, you know, guitar, ba- like guitar bass and the bass drum. Yeah. Play unison. And, but they, I mean, the dark, he did a hell of a job. Like, he did really well. And I was really impressed by him. And one thing I realized about Dark was that, I mean, he's a great drummer, but also he's a really, really good performer. Yeah. It's really fun to see him playing because I think part of the reason why it's kind of similar to uh, Scott Travis of Judas Priest, his arms are really long. Okay. So his motion, you know, looks much bigger than, I mean, I he, he does it like so easily. Yeah. But... Like when you look at it, his motion is really big. You really notice it, yeah. I did notice some of that, and it was really, really fun to see him playing. Um, the yeah, that's something I really realized. Like first, you know, when the band came, of course, like every focus goes to Dave, you know. Sure. And maybe Kiko plays guitar solo, but then my focus went to like Dark. Then after that, like the entire show, like I was like, man. That guy's a really great performer. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, he is amazing. You're right. Mm-hmm. And you're right about that. He's doing, he's like, he does mimic that with the bass, and it gives those riffs and bass lines. It's just so, it's super powerful. It's like way heavier than like the original. It's crazy. 
It is. And I, you're right. I, I didn't really think about that, but I guess maybe that is the reason you noticed. Cause I noticed that he would be doing things and he would be doing a snare hit or something sometimes. And he would put his arm like straight up in the air sometimes. Yeah. And I was like, uh, it really, you know, it, sh- you're go- it really makes it noticeable. Like, Oh wow. He's that's really cool. Uh, and at, and at the speed he's playing, uh, it's impressive that he can do that. <laughs> and I like, you know, like Dre and the fugitive mind, like they have break, right? Yeah. Like he, Every time he does like those, like he makes an X sign yeah. in his arm. Like, I oh, was, man, that's pretty cool. You know? Yeah, he's like I said when we uh, when he first after hearing Dystopia and how good the drums were on it by Chris Adler, and I didn't I didn't know who he was at the time, and then I read about it. Oh, he was in Lamb of God, and he's not with Megadeth anymore. When I read about, it, I was like, oh man, they're never going to be able to find somebody like that, and. Which, like you said, there's a million drummers out there that are just fantastic, and and Dirk, man, my guy, he's just amazing. He sounds aw- he sounded awesome live. He sounds awesome on the album. Just the way he plays along with, the- I mean, I was like, it's it's almost like if you wouldn't have told me it was a different drummer, I wouldn't I would have believed it was uh, Chris Adler again. Because, man, they're both amazing drummers. So, it's funny because like, do, do you know Soil Work? Um, former uh, band. I don't. I've heard of them. Well, it's kind of like a metalcore band. Uh-huh. But it's funny because when he was in Soil Work, he wasn't playing double bass, but he was playing double pedals. Okay. And drum set was much smaller than like current the Megadeth version. Yeah. And I don't know. Like I, I, I never watched like many like their live performances, but I watched several on the YouTube. Uh-huh. But I didn't remember him as like a great performer. Like he was really good at drummer, but then so I didn't expect him to be like that. Like until I actually saw him on live. Sure, sure. Yeah. Let me ask you this: um, Was there a buzz in the crowd? Like were y'all were y'all talking about? Um, was there a lot of people talking about Marty being there before the show? Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Okay. Everyone is talking about it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. So that's cool. That's cool. Okay. So the next song. So if you if you skip the thread is real. The next song is what you had guessed for your set list, which I'm guessing were they playing this as well before? Yes, yes they did. <laughs> okay. Okay. So the next song was "Angry Again," which I was again I wouldn't. Again and again and again, I didn't expect this, but when he started talking about when he started talking about the, um, the Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah, 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 he started talking about the movie soundtrack, and um, I was like, oh man, they're gonna play Angry Again. That's really cool. Uh, I, I just was not expecting that at all. So um, to hear it. It's really cool because it's just, you know, it's just a really cool word with that bass line. And that bass line just holding everything underneath. Um, Dirk, Dirk, that's probably a breather for him, you know, after. But I thought I thought it sounded really good. And like I said, Dave sounded really good on the slower parts. What did you think of it hearing it live? I totally agree. Like, the, you know, to be honest, like, you know, some songs like, they really struggle to sing because 
you know, his vocal range is limited now. Yeah. But I think the Angry again, he sang really well. Like the the range of vocal lines really matches him. Yeah. And yeah. To be honest, like I wasn't really big fan of the song. Uh-huh. I think because I I I hadn't listened to it a lot before because it's not in the studio albums, you know. Right. I believe Hidden Treasure, right? I believe so, yes. So I, I never really listened to that record a lot. So I never really pay attention to this song. But when I heard the live, I was like, oh, you know, actually it's really cool song. And like it has like kind of same feeling of, you know, Countdown to Extinction. Oh, sure. Yeah. And, the, you know, he's, it. it's one of the song like, that Dave is really good at using his vocal, like, not like attitude, but like he really shows like a dark, moody, you know, vocal. And I really like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's for sure. I, I The movie, I just looked it up real quick. The movie came out in 1993. So that would have been, I guess, huh? that might have been, I think that was, so that would have been between uh, Countdown and Euthanasia. So that's, okay. so that's right in that wheelhouse of, you know, they were more commercial sounding and, um, but, but it's a good, it's just a good heavy song. And, you know, it's a little bit lyrically. It's not. It's not like dread the future in mind at all. But it's, you know, it's. It's just cool, man. I, I really dig the song. I've always, I, I remember having the soundtrack. You know, back in the day, because there was a there was other. I'm trying to think of who else was on it. There was a Allison Chains had a couple of songs on it. Uh, Tesla had a song on it. Uh, who else had a song on it? I can't remember who else, but. I know the Alice and Chain songs were really good. The Megadeth song was really good. So three really, really good songs on a soundtrack is pretty good, I think. So your next choice for songs to hear was going to be, well, a song that was, you guessed right. You guessed it as number four. And if we skip the thread is real, it was your next one on the list. It was the fifth song. They played Soldier On. So... Had they been playing Soldier On before this? Uh, yeah, second half of like 2022. Okay, okay. So, how was it hearing that live? Oh, that was re- that's another song. Like you know, the threat is real. Like the bass drum, bass, and guitar plays in unison. Yeah, and that was I was really impressed. Like they were super tight. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> like. I mean, like, okay, guitar and the bass, you can understand. I mean, you're picking, so it's, I don't say, well, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's much easier, you know? Sure. But those, like, weird rhythm, like, I was really impressed by Dark Space Drumming. I was like, I don't know how he can time those, in you know, those perfect timing. I know. That's, 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 that's what blew me away about the last album and this album. Like, I was, like they're literally... Uh, Adler and, and Dirk they're both just amazing drummers and the, the timing and like you said it's one thing if a drummer's going but when he's going like you know just like the off time random little things that they do like like in the thread is real you know stuff just is off time it's so cool so cool Um, 
I thought it was cool to hear Soldier On. Uh, it's 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 a busy song. It's fast, you know. And uh, but I do like the song. I was I was like, ah, oh, this is cool, man. They're playing. They're getting something from the new album that I wasn't. I didn't know to expect. I was expecting. Um, I was expecting. We'll be back. I did expect that. I did. I was expecting other songs. And you know what I was thinking? You know, we talked about earlier how Marty had said that Dave goes out and gets the players that he needs to make his vision work, right? To make it happen. And it made me think because, you know, Dave's in his mid sixties and he's got Kiko who's probably in his thirties, you know, and Dirk forties, maybe Dirk might be in his early forties. And then he's got James Lomenzo who's probably in his fifties, but you know, a much younger band than him, at least. And it made me think about Metallica. And what would Metallica be like if every, you know, say five or ten years, D- James Hetfield went out and got the best guitar player and the best drummers out there? Like, think of how much... And I know Lars does a lot of the um, arranging on songs and stuff, so he's needed. But... Imagine if James could have a band together like, cause James to me is the star of that band. And imagine if you could take James and add a drummer as good as Dirk, a a guitar player as good as Kiko, you know, instead of Lars and Kirk. Mm -hmm. I mean, we'll never know, but as, but then maybe that takes away some of the, uh, you know, maybe that takes away a lot because, like, as much as people don't like Lars Ulrich, he, he is a big piece in of the puzzle. You know, so yeah, he is. But it's interesting to think about, and and to think though that, like, because you think if Dave could make it work with a whole new bunch of group of guys with his personality, you know, because Dave seems like he's got a very could have a a, a real quick to temper personality, you know, and James has that. An, James seems like a nicer person overall, you know, but he also seems like he struggles with mental health more. He seems less, oddly enough, he seems less confident than than uh, Dave Mustaine does. And I, I guess it just goes to show no matter how successful you are, but it's an interesting thought to think of what Metallica might would have been like without, you know, Lars and without, without, with, with James following the same pattern that Dave has kind of, inadvertently followed so and let me add let me add one other thing in the middle of all this recently there's been comments that have come out from jeff young oh yeah you know the former tell me all the bands that you know of that jeff young was in after megadeth i have no idea tell me all the bands that jeff young was in before megadeth was he wasn't he in the like uh, guitar school or something? Nobody knows. Nobody <laughs> honestly, nobody cares. You know, nobody. Jeff. J- the reason you know Jeff Young's name is because he played guitar on one Megadeth album, and he's coming out and he's saying like, "Oh well, the reason they don't play songs from such and such albums is because Dave can't do it anymore." Like Soldier On, maybe not Soldier On. 
the threat is real. We'll be back. Those songs are just as, if not more complicated than the songs from Peace Cells, the songs from uh, the album that Jeff Young played on, you know, so far, so good. So what? I, I really think that he just needs to shut his hole, you know, you know, and, and here's what the bad, the bad look about the whole thing is he's doing something right now with Dave Ellison mm-hmm. and regardless. Oh, wow. That's right. Yeah. And regardless of what the look is by, you know, it's a bad look for Dave Ellison to be there. And, and and not say something like when, when Jeff Young is saying that to not come back and say, Hey, um, I played with Dave up until a year or two ago. He, he can still do it. You know, I feel like the only reason he's running his mouth is just to get them some attention. And it's like, yeah, they could probably do a band. They could probably come around and play those songs. Well, and you know, you got, you know, the, you got two, two, you know, half the band for, uh, you know, the first three albums right there. But, and you could probably find someone that could come in there and do Dave's. There's plenty of, you know, cover bands that, you know, you can come and do all that. But man, Dave, I don't know. It just irritates me hearing all that because I'm like, you know, you're, you've done, you know, I mean, and I'm sure he's, you know, he's done, he's accomplished more in life than me. I have a podcast, <laughs> you know, but, but, you know, you played on one Megadeth album and you haven't done anything out there that, you know, at least that I know of or care of. And, and there's no reason for him to be running his mouth about Dave other than that he wants attention. So he's, he's getting, he's trying to get from Dave the same thing he got from Dave all those years ago, a little attention. So I don't agree with his comments and I'd like him to, I think, uh, I really was thinking it's a bad, it's a, it's a bad look for uh, Dave Ellison though, mm-hmm. because Dave Ellison has a lot more history. Yeah. And didn't they pull up an old quote from Dave Ellison before, like whenever Jeff Young ran his mouth years ago after he left Megadeth and David Ellison was like, yeah, Jeff Young, what has he ever done? You know, what, they, they could make that comment from two weeks ago. What's he ever done? Besides Megadeth, what's he ever done? You know, so sorry to get off on a little uh, side tra- oh, track there. This this isn't the waffle zone. So uh I should have done that when we, you know, for the waffle zone bit, but, um, so, okay. Yeah. I was, I was glad to hear soldier on put in here. Cause I was thinking, okay, cool. They're starting to get some songs in the set list here. Let's see how many more we get. Let's see how many more we get because before without revealing anything else in the set list, if people don't already know how many songs were you expecting realistically in this set list from the new album? Three. Okay. I'm looking the at only reason why is because the the Burn magazine in Japan. Yeah. They interviewed Dave Mustaine like in January. Okay. And he was saying so up to that point they were playing only two songs from the new album. Yeah. But they they were saying like, oh, we want to play three songs by the time we come to Japan. Mm, yeah. So I was expecting to play three songs at least. Yeah, but you know. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well. So, so you had Soldier on as as track. Uh, you had it as track four, and then you had track number five listed here as Killing Time, which they didn't play. Would have been cool to hear that, but they didn't play. Then you had uh, 
you had number your next song being trust. Mm-hmm. So you're right back on track with trust. Well, no, 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 but they played sweating bullets. next. Yes, sweating bullets That's right. That. So you had, I don't think you had it listed on your list. Did you? No. Okay. So they went into sweating bullets, which I'll be honest when they went into sweating bullets, I've never really been a big fan of this song. Oh, really? Yeah, it's it, musically it's good. You know, they got those bits where it's like da 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 You know, all that stuff is cool, but you know the the whole hello me meet the real me and all that stuff is kind of goofy, kind of goofy in a way. But um, but it sounded good live. What'd you think of it? It was re- it was really cool. I mean. It was it was kind of really sad for me because like the song before, the, you know, the soldier on. Yeah, the crowd's reaction was pretty lame. Uh. <laughs> you know, I mean, it happens often. You know, when bands play new songs. Sure, sure. Yeah, but then the, they started putting sweating bullets. Then the crowd really like literally erupted. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And it was kind of funny because like. You know, usually when you sing along with the band, like you sing chorus, right? Usually. Yeah. But the loudest part was like, a, hello. <laughs> like, yeah. everybody was singing that part. I was like, that was, I mean, like, yeah. okay, everybody knows verse, but no, nobody knows the chorus. That's funny. That's funny. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was really, you know, I thought it sounded better. Yeah. Like, I wasn't a fan of the song either, actually, even though it was a single. Sure, sure. But then after I listened to you know the live version, then I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Man, I've been listening like almost every day. Uh-huh. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I thought, um, yeah, it sounded good live. I, I, I appreciated it a little bit more hearing it live on there. <laughs> but yeah, it was just never a song that I... You know, I'm not, I'm not, I usually kind of tend to be a, an, I'm an album guy. So I like to focus more on the, you know, deeper cuts and, and that it, it was too, it seemed like it was a try to be commercial in a way, but, but in a way it does fit when you hear Dave describe the song, like off of a concert, when he describes what it's really about, it's kind of cool. Um, but then they went into, they went into the song trust from cryptic writings, which is another you know, a little more melodic, a little more uh, closer to the end of their melodic. And you thought that this is when Marty Friedman would come out. Mm-hmm. So uh, Marty Friedman wasn't out yet. No. But what did I was kind of surprised when they played. I'll be honest. I'll be was a little surprised with Sweating Bullets. Kind of. But I was really surprised they played Trust. So... <laughs> What did you think of it when you heard it? Well, um, I was really expecting this song to be played. I think the song's been like one of the staples mm-hmm. for the band. But, you know, it was kind of cool. Like, the Dave and the Kiko left the stage, you know, and there was only James and Dark. Yeah. And like Dark started playing that iconic, you know, drum intro. Yeah. And James started playing boom, you know, bass and yeah. I I I got huge goosebumps when James started playing that. Yeah, I I I love that song. I I think that song is great. And the 
yeah, but you know, to be honest, I really wish I could see Marty playing this song. I really wanted to see it. Okay, okay. So uh, they went into next. They went into which was a kind of and I and I'll say I do like the song Trust. It's you know it was from their you know at that being a fan at that time. You know, they were definitely a lot, they had gone a lot more um, commercial. So it was a cool song. And I, I like, I like really, I like Megadeth every which way. I like them commercial. I, I like Risk. I like, you know, that, 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 I would say probably that album, Cryptic Writings and um, Countdown. No, no, not Countdown. Uh, Euthanasia. Those might be a little lower on the list to me album wise if I was ranking them all but I still like a lot of the material mm-hmm. um, but yeah it was it was kind of cool to hear it even though when we get to a later point and we talk about maybe some other songs we would have rather heard that might be one that gets cut mm-hmm. um, but let's see you guessed that they were going to play Tornado of Souls next with Marty as well uh, but they went Marty, Marty was still yet a few songs away but they went into what I found to be surprising they went into Conquer or Die, which is an instrumental off of uh, the prior album. And I thought that it was cool that Dave just kind of left the stage and let the band play, which I also thought was maybe, you know, a mid-show break for him. You know, because like I said, he, he's been through cancer and he's been through all that. And, you know, it's funny because you look at pictures of Dave from the last tour, you know, say five or six years ago. He looks like he's aged so much in the past five or six years. Like either all the years of, you know, heavy drug use and stuff caught up with him. But that and the, uh, the cancer, you know, really took a toll on him. But, you know, Dave's just an amazing guy. Like you think about, you know, the story from the past where he fell asleep with his arm hanging over a chair and he messed up the nerves and literally, they had to reprogram his arm and he had to completely relearn how to, I'm like as amazing of a guitar player as he was before he had to relearn how to play the guitar again. I'm like, how that's mind boggling. He not only became a great guitar player once he became a great guitar player twice. That's just, it's amazing. Um, so conquer or die, they started playing it and I'm listening to it and I'm going, I know this is something off the last album, musically I was trying to think cause I thought there's no way they would play. I wouldn't have even thought they would play the instrumental. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to pe- picture in my mind. I kept going, running through the songs going, is it this one? Is it this one? Is it this one? And I finally kind of finally realized I was like, wait a minute, this is just the instrumental. Okay. I thought maybe they're going into uh, the next song following the instrumental. I was like, okay, that'd be interesting. Uh, which was, um, what was, a. Uh, uh, what is the song after the instrumental on the album? It's the one where, oh, I, I, state. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So I was, I was thinking that I thought maybe they'll go into that. That would be kind of cool, but they didn't. So, but they went into another song from the album. Uh, they went into Dystopia. So, which I thought was really cool. I was like, wow, they're playing two songs from the last album. Um. So what did you think when you heard those two songs there? Well, well, first, like, I, you know, when I heard the Conqueror die, you know, Dave and James left the stage and, like, only Kiko. And I didn't know, like, 
because I didn't see the last tour, I didn't know that's how the stage will be set. Uh-huh. You know? Then like kick also play acoustic. I mean, is it classical guitar? I guess. Yeah. And then after that, the electric guitar part comes in. Like I thought the staging was really cool. You know, smoke comes out, uh-huh. the red lights. And yeah. Basically, Kiko and the dark are playing together, and it's really telling the how good the relationship of the band, you know, like the Marty said, like Megadeth is Dave Mustaine's band. Yeah, but he's giving Kiko the whole the spotlight for the entire song. Yeah, you know? yeah, and. Like you said, like when you and Ron did the episode on the, you know, the sick and dying the dead review. Yeah. The Kiko is credited for eight songs. It never happened in the Megadeth history before, you know. Sure. And that's, I thought, you know, kind of, it was cool staging, but also for me personally, it was like kind of heartwarming to know that, you know, the band's relationships such in, in good turn. Right. That yeah. Mustaine's giving Kiko for like, you know, the spotlight for like four or five minutes all by himself. Of right. course, like he, you know, he needs to take a break and stuff like that too. But still, you know, I thought that was a really cool moment. Yeah. And, well, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I, I, I did want to add this because I, we should, we should definitely address this and I don't want to forget. There was a time within the last month before they came to Japan where someone started a rumor that that, <laughs> yeah, I remember that. that, that Kiko wasn't even going to be with the band. It was like, Oh no, it's just going to be Marty playing with him now, which, you know, there was no, there was never anything. I never heard anything to it. I didn't listen to any of the interviews that or anything, but it's like, there was no reasoning behind it. It was just, and and like you said, for you for that for people to be saying that a month ago, and then for you to be saying like, yeah, it's obvious that the the, the relationships of the band are really good. It, it's it's basically like just a complete one eighty from what the ding, yeah. the ding dong was saying about that. So <laughs> yeah, that was a big BS. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh man. Uh, so so what did you think of the uh, of, as far as did you? Here in dystopia again. That was pretty yeah. cool, right? Yeah, that was really cool. I mean, you know, it's it's obviously like my favorite song from Dystopia. And one thing I realized was like, you know, Dave Mustaine always got like great drummers, you know. Um Gar Samuelson, uh, Nick Menza, Jimmy DeGrasso, yeah, Sondro. All of them are very unique. Yeah. But when I was listening, like, you know, in the song later part, in the instrumental parts, I kind of felt like Dark has, like, unique, um, I, don't, I don't know, like, a, lo- I don't know if loose is a uh, correct word to use, but, like, a loose uh, vibe, like, groove. Okay, yeah. He's not, like... You know, Nick had, like, really... He was really good at, like, creating bounce in the groove. Uh-huh. On the other hand, like, Sean Drover had, like, kind of flow to his drumming. Uh-huh. And that's my just personal opinion. Sure, sure. But, like, Dark has really kind of... Um, 
not laid back, but like kind of. He, I think he hits uh, slightly like behind the beat. Okay. When he snare, so it kind of creates like the song extra heavy. In huh. My opinion. Interesting. Interesting. So yeah, then it was like I kind of had the same feeling with the threat is real. Like the he really makes the the each song like really heavier than the studio version. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I mean. It definitely sounds heavy the way he plays. I mean, those songs on that new album is so aggressive, you know, and it's just, it amazes. Like I said, it's amazing to think this album come out in 2022, you know, literally almost 40 years later. So it's just, it's, it's like Iron Maiden. It's like, they're, they're just a very, they've got almost the same amount of albums out and just, there's really, now Iron Maiden has a you know a couple of not so great ones in the bunch, as we know, but um, you know, but Megadeth, you know, they had a little bit of a weird time, you know, with Risk and you know getting so far off that way, but um, either way, the, the next song was one that let's see, did you have this on your list? I think so. Okay, you didn't have this one on your list. It's a song, man, that I really really like. And for some reason, and I know, I don't remember which album they did this on, or if it was on a re-release, they put a different version of a Toot Le Monde out at one point. I, like, when I heard the second version of it or whatever they did, I never understood why. I just, I always, I never liked it. I never, ever, because I was just like, because I thought the first version is so good. I can't even in my mind remember it, remember what the old, the second one sounded like anymore, but. I love the first version. I thought it's very, there's a lot of, like, it feels very heartfelt. Mm-hmm. And I remember I worked with a lady at the time and she was from France. Mm-hmm. And I knew that, that those lines were French, you know, et tout le monde, et tout les amis, je vous aime, je dois partir. And I remember how many times have I said that over the years to people? I go, eh, je dois partir. And they'll be like, oh, you speak French? I'm like, no, I like Megadeth. <laughs> but um, I think if I remember what she told me was something along the lines of it that that th- that meant like to all my friend to all my people to all my friends I love you I have to go or something like that. So um, you know, which is obviously what the song is saying too. But I didn't tell her anything about the song. I just said, hey, there's a band that I listen to that has a song that's got some French lyrics. Can you translate them for me? And that's what she, I remember that. I remember that's what she did. I remember it was pretty, and uh, I don't know if, I don't know if this sounds like, um, like we were making fun of her in any way, but her name at work was Frenchie. (laughs) We just called her Frenchie. So, uh, but yeah, she was a nice old lady. And, uh, I remember thinking it was so cool to, I thought it was so cool to know a little, a, a few French, you know, a few French phrases, you know, cause I think Javu's aim is, is saying, I love you in French, I believe. So, uh, oh, that's really, really cool. I'm going to go downstairs and say it to my wife later. Javu's aim, baby. <laughs> so, um, I was, I'll be, I'll be honest. <clears throat> this is one of their wimpiest songs though, but I love this song. It's an amazing song. It should have. It was a single. It should have been bigger. It, it's a guy. It's an incredibly. It's a, it's it's a powerful song. I love it. And I was when you got to hear it live. I was really 
I was really happy that you got to hear it live because it's an awesome song. What did you think hearing this live? Did you tell me about it? This was like probably like the second biggest surprise for me. Okay. Because like right before that, they had the kind of like a warm up gig before Budokan. Okay. And they didn't play this song. Okay. So I didn't expect it then, but as soon as I heard that intro, you know, the Kiko started playing the intro, I was like, oh, oh my gosh. Golly, cool. And everybody was like, you know, like cheering and like screaming. And even though like we all, actually, I, I still this day, until you explained to me, like I didn't know what the French part was saying. Oh, okay, okay. But we all singing it, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. You don't you don't have to know yeah. it. You just sing it. <laughs> I, I just sing it, even though I don't understand the words. But I mean, the what the meaning of it. Yeah. But that was like one of the, I guess, one of the sweetest moment in the show. Like everybody was singing that beautiful ballad. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's. Uh, yeah, I remember. I, I just remember. You know, it's. That's probably the only person from France I've ever worked with in my life, too. So it was perfect timing, you know. Um, yeah, but that it, it really is. It's, it's it's just a nice song, and and I kind of wondered if it was a lead in, you know, because because do you know did they keep that in the set list after after the? No, they didn't. They dropped it. So they played it that one night, and that was it. You know, it makes you wonder if they didn't add just a couple of these different songs because they were recording it as a live album. You know, because we know that as well. So, or, but man, that was so cool to hear it because I, I always loved that song. That was a song I could just put on repeat. It's just so good. Um, but then at the show you were at, um, it was interesting because they started showing, I don't know if it was like Marty's like audition. Yeah, that was audition video for his, which I thought was kind of interesting. I was like, wow. You know, part of it, I could hear him playing a Megadeth song. Part of it, I thought they were just, I could, it was kind of hard to tell what exactly it was for me. Um, but, you know, obviously at that point, you knew Marty was getting ready to come on. And and I hate to say what I'm about to say, but I feel like them, it was cool that they played Countdown to Extinction next. But I just thought that wasn't the song to bring Marty on to. Like, it felt like kind of just a... Like it, like it was like he kind of came on with a thud, like and and I mean I love the song Countdown to Extinction. It was really cool to hear it live. I think they said it was the first time since 2013, so ten years. Mm-hmm. But I just thought, man, you, you would think Tornado of Souls would have been the one where they start out, Marty Friedman, and he comes out, you know, and starts playing along or whatever. I just it seemed like uh it was cool, or or maybe that was just an easy way to introduce them, you know, kind of a nice casual way to bring them on without it being, you know, and or, and maybe Marty wanted to warm up a little bit with the song before he went into Tornado of Souls, so that that's possible too. But outside of my little bit of criticism there, it was really cool to hear Countdown to Extinction. It's another one of their softer songs that's really good. But man, imagine the the set goes from. Conquer or I Die Dystopia to A Toot Lamone and Countdown to Extinction. So it's like the, uh, uh, I guess maybe it was just a softer part of the show because they knew the rest of the show was going to be pretty heavy. So w- what did you think whenever, I guess you were probably cheering like crazy. Yeah, I was indeed. Um, 
you know, first, like, that's something I totally didn't expect. I mean, but I think the the countdown to extinction was, like, a relevant choice because they were supposed to come to Japan and play a Budokan for countdown tour. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, like, you know, first I thought the same thing. I'm like, why? Well, I mean, I was cheering like crazy. But after the show, I was like, oh, you know, I wanted to hear this. I wanted to hear that. Sure. You know? But then I thought like, but you know what? They, you know, the Marty wanted to come to Japan and play at the Budokan for Countdown Tour. So maybe that was, you know. Sure. It could be something to do with it. Yeah. Choice for them. And do you remember in the the documentary, like, Kiko and uh, Marty was saying like you know they were talking about how t- they played the harmony over the countdown to extinction. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I thought that was really cool. You know, when I saw the live, like they they you know standing in front of each other and play the the harmony together. Yeah, yeah. kind of you know instead of they playing the harmony with Marty, he was playing the chord. And uh, let uh-huh. Kiko play Marty. That was and interesting. I that, yeah, I thought that was really interesting. That was a really cool moment. I was like, man, it's you know. It was cool. Kiko. Yeah, definitely cool for Kiko. You think? Because mm-hmm. Dave probably thought I've I've played that song you know a thousand times with him, and he was letting Kiko just have the moment of because I, I would imagine because I think they they might have even said them meeting Kiko was like I mean them meeting Marty was like. He's a rock star. We're rock stars, but now we're meeting someone, you know, that's another rock star that preceded, like they said, this is the guy that played these songs before us. And and I wonder if um if Marty, like you said that, but I wonder if Marty, if, if him and Dave talked at all and they said, well, hey, you know, you can come out, we'll do three songs. What what do you want to do? I figure he probably asked him, mm-hmm. you know, and, and maybe Marty, that was Marty's choice. So, yeah, I, I want to do Countdown to Extinction, so possible yeah but it was really funny because at the beginning of the song you know when they they yeah you know like we all thought that marty's gonna be there right yeah but marty was on the stage yeah when they start playing so we all like what the you know yeah (laughs) (laughs) after that you know they show the audition oh my my gosh marty's coming but as soon as they start playing like "Hmm, where's marty wait where is he (laughs) yeah exactly yeah that was like a weird blank moment. Yeah, he in the off. You were like, "Wait a minute, my 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 predictions are getting farther and farther away. What's going on here?" <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, uh, That's but it was kind of cool. Like it was kind of cool instead of you know having Molly on the stage from the beginning. Like you know how they've introduced you know. Yeah. You know, welcome my friend. You know, lead guitar, Molly Freedom. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, it is interesting because they showed the video before the song. So like you said, you're going, okay, here he comes. And then they start playing. You're like, wait a minute. Because that would have been a good time for Dave to kind of maybe tell a story. But, but I mean, it still come, it still, it still went off perfectly when he, you know, brought him out during the song. So it's not, maybe, maybe it's not quite, it's not too awkward or anything, you know, and there's all the hugging going on and, you know, cause then, then he's got to go hug Dave. He's got to go hug James. He's got to go hug Kiko and, Got to go back there and fist bump the drummer. And so but that was interesting. But then after this, um, 
They went into, obviously, which I didn't realize, Tornado of Souls must just be a staple for them. Oh, yeah. I didn't, they play every show. I didn't realize that, but then they go into Tornado of Souls. So what are you thinking there? Oh, man, that was... So by the time when they started playing, you know, Tornado Souls, I already burst into tears, you know. Oh, I was, man. I, I just could not stop crying. Like, I, I was pretty much crying the entire song, but, man, everything was... Everything I saw was everything I imagine i dream to see you know yeah like i always wanted to see marty friedman megadeth play at the budokan together but at the same time i always thought it's gonna happen someday until 2015 you know when marty and nick menza almost joined the band yeah but they couldn't make agreement uh-huh. Then after that, I was like, okay, maybe it's not going to happen. Maybe yeah. it will never happen, you know? So that was like a big, like one of the biggest disappointments in my negative history. Sure. So, but like when I saw Tornado Souls, you know, when Dave and <laughs> Marty playing together, Marty comes on the stage and he played a solo. That was like everything I dreamed of. And it was really cool, like when he played. Every time he Marty plays solo, yeah, all the band members goes to back, you know. That was really and, cool. Yeah, it was really cool. Like he, they all gave him the spotlight. That was really cool. Yeah, and he and he um, he knocked that solo out of the park. It was really cool. And, and and I thought that was neat when they talked to him beforehand, even, and he just said, "Look." I'm going to be playing the solos. I'm just going to be playing them just like they were on the album, basically. I thought that was a pretty cool thing that he said there too. So, so, so then the next, now I I didn't tell you this. So for me, I'm watching the live stream and just as his solo is ending and Dave comes back up to the microphone, it's like the stream stops. Like, yeah, like I'm looking at it on my screen and it's like, you know, like you're watching something and it, like say you're watching a YouTube video and it just plays out to the last second and it stops. There's nowhere else to go. It was like at the very end and I'm going, you know, I was watching it later that day and I'm like, wait, whoa, 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 what's going on here? Why is it stopping? I was like, surely that's not the way it ends because they're, they're not done. Maybe that's all they gave us. And then they're going, oh, the rest of it, you have to buy a live album or something. So I'm looking and I'm trying to figure it out and I'm looking and I'm going, what? and so I'm, there's a chat going on on the stream. So I go to the chat and I start seeing people saying stuff about the stream, the stream. But then I remember there's a thing on the top and it says, if you have any problems, refresh the screen. So I I refresh the screen. I refresh the screen. And at this point, it's about midnight here for me. I refresh the screen and it takes me back to the beginning. Oh my gosh. And I'm going, you gotta be kidding me. So I, I refresh then I'm just like okay I'll just keep refreshing it so I refresh it two or three more times same thing and I'm just like oh my gosh so I go to the chat and I go on the chat and I'm like is anybody else having a problem blah 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 and someone comes on there and says no I'm watching I'm watching um Symphony of Destruction right now and I'm like what so so I refresh again and I refresh again and I kid you not when I when I finally refreshed it, it came on. This is what I heard: 
Symphony of Destruction. And it was over. Like, that's all I heard of Symphony of Destruction. The whole song was over. I heard the last bit and I was like, and I'll be honest, I like Symphony of Destruction. But it's, you know, it's, it's, it's again, it's like one of those songs where, like you said, where everyone's not clapping and cheering along with the old songs. But when, the, I mean, with the new songs, when they play an old one, everyone goes crazy. That's obviously one that people are going to go crazy. I, I might have, I might have ever said this before, but if I haven't, I'll say it now. Mm-hmm. There's only, I mean, and it's probably going to be obvious what the answer is. There's only one band in my life I've ever done karaoke to, to one of their songs. And it was Megadeth. And the song was Symphony of Destruction. Really? <laughs> yeah. Cause, cause, cause like Dave Mustaine, I'm not a singer. <laughs> so I decided I was at someone's house and they were doing karaoke and they kept, they were trying to get me to do one. So I was just like, okay, I'll, and this is probably 50, 20 years ago, maybe. And, um, if you know who the most hated man in podcast land is, I was at his house and um, and so I was looking through the looking through all the songs and looking at all the songs and I finally I saw Symphony of Destruction and I'm like you know what I could kind of do that because it's just like going you take a mortal man I was like I could I don't want to sing for anybody you know I could but I can kind of grip my teeth and sing through it you know and and I changed all the words to Mark like I would go you take a mortal Mark <laughs> but um so that's the only time I've ever done ever done a karaoke song and. Uh, but yeah, I didn't hear the song at all. I, I literally heard wow, of destruction and it was over. And I thought, well, at least I'm back, you know? Yeah. And then they're like, you know, good night. And I'm like, okay, there's going to be something else coming. So, um, so how did, uh, did anything extra Did anything else happen between tornado of souls and symphony? Did he say anything about Marty or anything that you recall? Or oh, No, basically they just went straight to, the song like i was surprised like you know i was i thought they was going to say something about it but basically like they play three songs straight he let him have the this the and and dave doesn't always seem like you know dave is a talker obviously but he doesn't seem like the guy that's going to get up there and give a, a big emotional speech either that's true yeah so so Destruction was kind of funny because, like, in that song, like, Marty was, like, almost, like, acting like a kid, you know, like. Yeah. Like, he wanted, like, he was just jumping around, running around, like, he, like, you could see, like, his happiness, you know. Sure. His emotion. And, like, he was enjoying, like, every moment of the song. Right. And. It's kind of funny because, like, you know, the when they play the Rick do do do, like everybody's singing Mega Death. Oh, know? that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, and the funny things like, you know, like that one night, the the when they um when they restarted the band, like they uh they recorded the. I think I believe that they recorded live in Argentina. I think. Is that the one with the bed on the cover? Bed? Have- oh no no no! That's, that's Rue Awakening. No, that's one after that. Okay, okay. Uh, uh, I think that's after 
the system has failed. Okay. And uh, it kind of made, I think that album made this song famous, you know, like the, the crowd was singing like mega death, mega death. But they also say agante. I think that's a Spanish word. Okay. I don't know that one. Yeah. But it's funny because like it, we're in Japan, uh-huh. but people are actually singing the Spanish part. Really? That's... I was like, <laughs> I was, I thought that was really funny, but I think that album, you know, kind of made this symphony of destruction really, really famous. Interesting. Among the fans. Yeah. It's, it's like almost like I feel like it was like the fear of the dark from Rock in Rio. Sure. You know, after, since, since that album released, like everybody started singing along, you know. Good point. That's a good point. Very good point. So I think that one night, you know, that one night, the live album made Symphony Destruction is like Fear of the Dark for Iron Maiden. Mega Death. That's cool. Yeah, that definitely fits. Yeah. Mega Death. Mega Death. Agante Mega Death. Oh, so they say Agante in the middle. Okay. Okay. Yeah. There, there are quite a few people singing. I was pretty impressed. Yeah, <laughs> like probably we all don't. I, I, I don't know what that means. But here, let's ask. Let me ask my phone. Maybe I'll say, <laughs> "What does a gante mean?" Uh, I don't see any uh, a gante. Uh, no, oh, it disappeared. I don't know. I couldn't find it, but. <laughs> What was I going to say? You know what? I will say this because you hear about the Budokan. It's a famous venue. You know, I, I know Kiss played there a long time ago, you know, famously. The Beatles played there, I believe, a long time ago. Um, so I, it's, it's a venue I've definitely heard of. And, and I've, Japanese fans are, I don't, I didn't know what to expect because the, the reputation is, they're very quiet and then they cheer and then they get real quiet. And so I felt like the crowd wasn't quite as much that way. Mm-hmm. I think they were louder. Like, you know, when the lights went down, they really went off and, but then they, I do like it though, because they cheer, they, you know, you cheer, 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 get it over with and then let the band and then let the band can move on instead of, you know, sometimes people go on. Like when I went to that Bruce, uh, you know, his stand-up comedy show that night or whatever that he thought he was given. And uh, people would go on and on and cheer, 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 cheer for so long after his stuff. And I was just like, just just do your clapping and get it over with. You know, I mean, I, I like the Japanese way that they do that, though. I mean, you, you get in a few, woo, and you clap a little bit and then let the song move on, you know. So, but so, okay, so, so they went off stage and... Any, uh, I guess, you know, I kind of, I watched that and saw him, you know, they all, you know, Marty, they, Marty left first mm-hmm. yep. and then the rest of the band came out and did their little thing. And, you know, they go off stage for a minute and mm-hmm. they come back and they opened up with, we'll be back. So at this point I'm, I'm, I was kind of thinking, wow, they've only played one song from the new album. So they go into another song. I'm like, surely they're not going to play another song. They're not going to play two new songs in the encore. So, <clears throat> so I was kind of disappointed that um, that they didn't get that in. Uh, I was really because oh, we'll get into that in a minute. But so I was just, I was disappointed they didn't play a little more. 
But um, they opened with will, they came in with "We'll Be Back," which has an amazing riff, and that's one that I'm like, man, you know, when you hear it on the album, Dave's not slowing down. I mean, if anything, he's speeding up. <laughs> so he's like, he's like high speed dirt, you know. <laughs> he's just, but that was really cool. Did, did, as an encore, it surprised me that they would open the encore with that. What did you think? Yeah, it was really interesting. I mean. Yeah, you know what? Actually, I I I never thought like it was encore. Actually, but I think you're right. Like all the bands left a moment and came back, so it might be encore. It's funny because like I I thought like Holy War is gonna be encore. Yeah, but actually, like Dave didn't leave the stage. Oh, he didn't. He didn't ah. before Holy War because he was standing there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was definitely not. That was definitely not an encore. A holy. Yeah. I mean, it was the second, third song of the encore. But all other shows, they play a, a holy wars for encore. So I thought that that ending was kind of weird. But you're right. Maybe if we'll back, we'll be back is encore. Then that kind of makes sense now. And, but anyways, and, yeah, it, it seems like we'll be back should be the last song they play before the encore. Because then you go. They'll be back. I just remember when they played that thinking, you know, that part, I'll be back where it stops. That amazing, amazing riff bit with the drum, bass drums and everything. And I just thought, wow, that's really cool to get to hear that live. It's it's like, a what's the song on? There's a song on the album Endgame. Uh, that uh, has another part that's really, really like that. That's got like just an amazing, amazing riff. Uh, I don't have Endgame on my phone. Okay, I was gonna see if I could find it, but it's just like there's a. I don't know what it is, but so they did. We'll be back, which I thought was okay. At least they did two songs from the new album. Then they, um, then they went into P cells. You know they go into the they go into the drum beat and you're like okay, bum 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 bum. You know there's bass drum and I thought I, it took me a minute. I was like what what are they? Go- Wait, sorry. Can I ask a question? Absolutely. Before we move on to yourself. Yeah. When, because I couldn't hear really, like I couldn't hear clearly, but when they play "We'll Be Back," they like. Dave changed the melody of verse. Do you remember? I don't recall. Really? I, I mean, <clears throat> I, it seemed to sound pretty accurate to me. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't recall it being any different, but because I remember in the Tornado Souls in the second verse, he changed the melody, and he went lower. Okay. I mean, it's pop. But you mean? Oh, you mean? You mean where his voice was and how how his how high his voice was. Okay. I don't, he might've done that. I don't know, but I would think not because since they just recorded that in the last few years, like I could see him doing it on, on an old song, an older song, you know, but like, I thought that was cool. Like when he did in the tornado souls. Yeah. And I think he should do that more often rather than like trying to hit really high notes. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, he's not like a Rob Halford, you know, 
if Ralph Harf, like Ralph sings painkiller like octave lower, uh-huh. probably everybody's gonna be disappointed. Sure, sure. But I mean, Dave's vocal style is not like that. And I thought like the the second verse of Tornado Souls, like I thought that was really cool, like how he changed that kind of lower but changed the melody. Sure, sure. Yes, it was. Uh, I, if it, if it happened, I didn't notice it. So. Uh, so maybe he he was seeing the the like studio version then. Yeah, yeah. So okay, thank you. Yeah, no problem. But but you know they did the the the, the big bass drum thing and I, like for a second I was just like kind of like do 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 do. I'm like God, what what are they going into here? You know, I, I, I wasn't. I mean, I wasn't even in my mind thinking because there's Megadeth's catalog is so big, and there's so many good songs that that they could. You know, obviously, P cells. They're gonna have. They're. That's just like it's a. They have to play P cells. They. Ha- it's like they have to play Holy Wars. They have to play Hangar Eighteen. Um. So you know when it turned to I was like, oh, I wasn't even expecting it. It was like bizarre. I was like, and how was I not expecting that? But, but you know, it sounded good. And of course, Dave can sing it perfectly because there's. It's not. It's not super fast. It's nice and easy. So he, but I will say that you, like you said, he strains sometimes to hit those higher notes, but it's kind of cool to watch him try to really like, he kind of pulls back from the mic and he just really, he, he goes for it on some of them and some of me doesn't. So, but uh, yeah, I, I, I thought peace sells was awesome. It's always, you know, I like the way they would go. You know, and let the crowd sing it. I like that. I think that's really cool. How was that one for you? Oh, that was so much fun. Like, you know, like you said, like everyone is screaming. And that's, you know, like that's something you cannot get from listening to studio album or even live album. Yeah. Like feel that you are being united with the band. Yeah. That's only when you actually being physically being the concert, like you can feel that. And man, that piece sells like I, I've listened to so many live versions, but oh man, that was just unreal. Like that was unbelievable moment. Well and, and it also bonds you with everyone in the in the venue. Mm-hmm. I I remember years ago when I saw Maiden and uh there was a guy from you know it's I, I don't I don't care who's who or what's what or what I'm I'm kind of like the whole blood brothers thing I don't care what ra- what race somebody is or you know where they're from and all that but you know over the years with lots of countries the Middle East has had lots of you know qua- squabbles with lots of places and I remember at the at the um, Book of Souls show I believe it was the book Book of Souls it had to be Book of Souls and. Um, we're standing there and they were playing Blood Brothers. And I remember there was a Middle Eastern guy behind me. And I remember during Blood Brothers, you know, and everyone's singing the chorus. I remember me and this guy, man, we just locked arms and just singing it together. Like, I've never done that with anybody at a real show. Like, I've never, it's just maybe my kids, you know, my daughter. I just, you know, but I've never grabbed like locked arms. And, and it, it, man, I mean, it was very powerful feeling. And it was, it made you feel like, you know, it's real, it's it really, we are, you know, it, we're really all united as, and, and a moment like that in a concert is that way. So that's really cool. That's a really, it's something, like you said, it's something you don't get from a live album. 
you know, you definitely don't get it. But so at the end of the night, you know, Dave walks up to the microphone and he says, this next song we're going to play is the last song. And then I'm going to go hotel and go to sleep. <laughs> and, and, and you can hear people going, why? He's like, why? <laughs> well, it just has to be. It just is. It's, I, I can't answer why it just is, you know, but I mean, it's a big set, 16 songs for a guy his age, you know, yeah. flying, you know, that far away, jet lag and all that good stuff going on that he, you know, obviously he, he's smart about it. He's like, I just don't sleep, you know? <laughs> so, and so obviously they, they, I thought the way he went into Holy Wars was interesting. So what did you think of it? Oh yeah. He started with like, and like start really slow yeah 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 and that was man well this song was the song didn't attract me at first time <laughs> yeah yeah but, man it's really amazing how uh, how well the song is constructed oh i know and i think what you know when you listen to Metallica, like they went to really progressive from maybe like a, you know, second, third album. And by the, and Justice for All, like the songs are like eight, nine minutes long. Uh-huh. But I think Megadeth sounds the most complicated than other bands uh, among Big Four, in my opinion. The reason why is that even though they have so many transitions and like changes yeah. in the song. Their song formats are usually like four to six minutes. Yeah. The songs are not long. But in that short period, like they have so many <laughs> transitions and like everything. And Holy Wars is like the perfect Megadeth song to explain like what Megadeth is all about. Oh yeah. 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 And man, like I think in that song, I was head banging harder than any other song. <laughs> it's the last song, like, this is the moment, you know. Uh, uh, and everyone is just going nuts after, you know, the drums or the band surgery, you know, start going past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, like, yeah, I mean, if they don't play this song, then people are gonna go riot and like destroy everything, you know. <laughs> Last play song. Yeah, that yeah. I was, um, it was, yeah. And I think personally, I thought, to be honest, like in my set list too, I thought in Encore, I thought Marty's gonna come back on the stage again. Yeah, yeah. And I think that was really clear statement from Dave that this is Megadeth. You know, sure. this whole members of Megadeth and we are going moving we gonna move forward with these four members. Yeah. And I think that was really, really important for Dave and the, the band to play Holy Wars with you know, the current four members. Sure. Sure. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. You know, um, I think that right there, 
uh, I think that's a good spot um, to say that kind of sums up my feelings about Marty Friedman's future with Megadeth. I think that, you know, he might come back occasionally for a one-off thing like this. If, if Dave and him are in the same place at the same time in Japan or whatever, but I think that was more of a one-off. I don't think that there's any way that in the next say, you know, that they finish this tour and then they announce, okay, well, Marty's coming back and Kiko's leaving. I, I think that's a, if I was betting, I would, I would bet all my money on Marty's not coming back to the band. What about you? Yeah, same, actually. I don't want to disappoint anyone, but exactly, I, I totally agree with you. Yeah. I actually wrote down, um, you know, like Marty was saying after the show, like he was saying he's open with anything with the band. Yeah. Which was kind of surprised me. But, you know, I think Dave is very much satisfied with the band, you know, the current members. Sure. Not only in terms of relationship, but also like musical, you know, like creative parts. Yeah. You know, I mean, he, the Kiko is co-credit eight songs from new album, which never happened before. Right. I think that really shows like how happy he is, how Dave is happy with Kiko and other members. And, other one is like people, you know, I'm pretty sure a lot of people dream the Marty will rejoin the band again. Yeah. I have to say, you know, Marty couldn't make, Marty and Dave couldn't make agreement not only once but twice, you know. Exactly. <laughs> I don't think they're going to, you know, I think they will have better relationship if they are apart, you know. There's yeah, there's things that happen like that, yeah. Absolutely. And uh, another reason is Dave and Marty are so much apart from each other, like in, in terms of music. Sure. You know, Marty likes to play like he play he still plays like heavy music too, but he also likes to play pop music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's something like, you know, Dave will ever be interested. <laughs> and, yeah. But I hope if if anything ever happens, maybe it might be really interesting to hear him play like solo for like one song from new album. And that's stuff. What, that's kind of what I was thinking when you said that. I could I could see him doing a solo, you know. But I don't think he's gonna co-write a song with Marty again. I don't think that's gonna happen. I, I was thinking similar because, like like okay, I'll, I'll use my daughter. Like there's you know. And girls are way different than boys, but you know, my daughter's like got one friend in particular. This has happened with a couple of friends before, but where they get along great. I mean, they're best friends, you know, Marty and Dave were probably best friends when, you know, especially when, when Marty was in the band and knew and it was exciting and he was running around the stage like a kid on stage, like he was at this show. And then at some, and then some kind of disagreement happens and then they both pull back, you know, uh, like my daughter, she's had to pull away from some people because they just, you know, just they're turds for a lack of a better word. And, um, and then after a while, they don't talk for a little while. They kind of, you know, they kind of clear things up, they get it fixed. And then she's buddies again with them. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, Sarah, you got to be careful going into this because you already know what, what she'll do. 
So she goes back in and it starts off slow. And the next thing you know, they're best buddies again. And then even quicker, the same thing happens again, where the girl's rude or a jerk or whatever. And Sarah pulls back. And then again, you know, they, it takes longer before they get back together and work on it. And they've worked on it. And now she's in the friendship again, but she's a lot more cautious about it, you know? So, I think they could have a working relationship and still be friends. And hey, you see, you see somebody every six months, or talk to somebody every six months, or not as often. If you if you have problems, I have a relationship that's happened with me recently where it's been like that, where I struggled with certain parts of it, and I had to pull myself back. And you know that, and 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 that's helped the relationships, helped the friendship. So, um, and with them. I'm sure working, you know, because you hear those guys in a band, you're you spend more time with those guys than you do your family. So it's got to be even to the nth degree. But it's really cool that they made it work. The one thing I did think was, man, if David Ellison was there, it would be literally three fourths of the, you know, that that considered the classic lineup. And mm-hmm. but um, let me ask you a couple quick questions before we finish up here. Um, how did you think overall that the band sounded? I think they're really doing great. Oh, wait, I forgot to mention one thing. Okay. I was pretty upset. Uh, <laughs> they missed the second solo, We'll Be Back. Oh, did he? Yeah, he he, he played the wrong notes. Oh. And, and that second solo, the way the way he used the tapping techniques, uh-huh. that's my favorite favorite part of like the entire new album oh I, you know i think <laughs> like, i remember something like that happening yeah yeah i was like dang not that part you can <laughs> any other part but not that part i was like i was pretty upset after that yeah um, overall like i think the band was doing really great i could tell because it was like their second show you know yeah since right i mean showing 2020 23 yeah so i i tell like they were on like full mode like they they have few like especially dave had like few mistakes okay i think kiko was nailing like other three guys are like really great like kiko's solos amazing whether it's you know his solos or like marty's solos yeah he was doing great and as I mentioned, Dark, James, they're great with this section. I think they was kind of trying to, you know, get in there. But, I mean, come on, he's like 60 years old. Right. And he's not playing, you know, I mean, I'm a big Eric Clapton fan. But, like, he's not playing, like, blues rock. He's yeah, playing yeah, real yeah. bad. Or, like, the threat is real. Sure. He's playing, like, Holy War. It's like. These are like freaking crazy full metal fast songs. Oh yeah, yeah. To be honest, I was super, super impressed, like how professional he was. Sure. Um, I was kind of, you know, I don't. Well, so you you got the new album with the the Conjuring live version, right? No, mine didn't have the conjuring. Oh, okay. Yours didn't. Okay, mine did. Okay. And the conjuring, that song is like you have, like he sings pretty high, you know. 
Yeah. And in terms of Moko, like he was really straining. Like sure. Almost, I, I don't want to offend anyone, but it was almost like for me, it's so hard to listen to. Right. It was right. so. So like, I was afraid, you know. I was really excited, but at the same time, I was kind of worried that if Dave is gonna be able to perform well. Sure. But I was really, to be honest, impressed. Like, and he still have a lot of attitude. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was, I was like, it's funny because like he, they had the fan meetings the day before Budoka, mm-hmm. and the interview guy was saying like, you know, some people say like, you know. You're turning kind of mild and nicer person, <laughs> and as soon as the translator translated, he's he said, you know, he he said the f word, <laughs> <laughs> and of course, like he he, I don't say mild, but like I mean, you know, he's more happy person, you know, he's off drug and he's sure sober, he's. More kind of spiritual, religious person. He's healthy, sure. But I was like, when Solomon was met, this guy is full of attitude. Oh man, yeah, yeah. He's no matter how much. I mean, he's content in life. I'm sure to a certain degree. But he always he's 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 always had that drive ever since you know ever since he got kicked out of Metallica. He's had that drive, and and yeah. he's had that. You know, it's it's he's. He's just an amazing. He's like a Steve. He's like a Steve Harris. He's on Steve Harris's level, I think. And I mean, and and that's no diss on Steve Harris. That's no diss on Dave Mustaine because both of them are amazing musicians. They're amazing writers. Um, they're amazingly talented guys, and they're both amazingly driven. And they both dri- obviously Iron Maiden's more popular and bigger, but still, you know, it's just they're both right complicated stuff, and it's so many great songs. Oh yeah. Um, the song I was talking about earlier, though, it was "How the Story Ends." Oh, it's, it's that part where it's like da 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 Meet the real me. Let me introduce myself. <laughs> like, just take the lyrics. Going back and forth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Like, it's two guys meeting each other. One is like, hello, me. Meet the real me. And then he immediately goes, let me introduce myself. <laughs> you know? That's really super funny. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, so, what were the biggest surprises that you thought in the set list? Uh, for me personally, I think was Countdown to Extinction. Okay, okay. I mean, if I look back now, you, I, I was like, oh, of course they're gonna play that song. But before that, I, I, I didn't think they were going to do it. I mean, it, it was not even in my mind, like where I was thinking about, you know, which song they gonna play. Yeah, so, I, for me, the big, I, I would say the biggest surprise by far was dread in the fugitive mind. Cause I, I just thought there's no way that they're going to play that. I mean, even if I'm looking, I'm looking at the set list and I'm pretty, I'm surprised they played 
Trust. I'm surprised they played a Toot Lamone, but I didn't know they were playing Trust at all. Um, I didn't know anything about the set list other than, like I said, you knew the certain staples would be there. Um, but yeah, to me, Dread in the Fugitive Mind was the one that when it started, I was like, oh, yes. I was just so happy because I just thought it's not from a popular album. It's it's not. It wasn't a big popular song, really. It was just a really awesome song. So that was me. That was the biggest um, surprise for me. And then what about if you could change the set list to include more songs from the new album, what would you, how many songs would you, well, two questions. What would you take out? Which songs would you take out and what would you put in? Taking out is that's hard. Um, I feel like, I feel like here, I'll, I'll, you're thinking about it. Let me, uh, let me, I'll tell you what I think. Okay. I would take, and it's it's hard to say I would take certain songs out because of their popularity, but I would easily take out probably Sweating Bullets. Okay. And I would probably take out, um, you know, you leave, Conquer, does Conquer or Die deserve to stay in there? Because Dave probably needs the break. Um, but I would say, I would I would take out sweating bullets and probably trust. I I just I like those songs, but uh like I like trust a lot more than sweating bullets, but yeah, I would have much rather heard The Sick, the Dying and the Dead, the title track, and just looking through the set list or the I mean the, the album. I think it would have been eh, I think it would have been really cool to hear either Dogs of Chernobyl or Night Stalkers. I, I, the, the intensity, I, I almost wonder hearing them on the album, could Dave keep up? Because those are, I mean, you know, that album starts off with a, in, in, insane, but I think I think Dogs of Chernobyl would have been a little cooler to hear live because it's got a little more variety, but Night Stalkers is so intense, it would have been cool to hear that too. So what about you? Well, actually, I agree with the choice of new album. I would choose. I would love to hear the title track. Yeah. And dog. Uh, I I love those two songs. Those two songs are my favorite. Okay. Like, top two from the new album. Okay. Take you out, gee, maybe the threat is real. Uh huh. I love that song. Maybe, I mean, since it's a new, I mean, the promotion for the new album, maybe I, I take that out. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Maybe just you look. Maybe maybe if they would have took that out and left "Conquer or Die" in dystopia, you know, gives Dave a break, and then they do a song yeah. from the new album. Yeah, that would make sense. Maybe "Sweating Bullets." Okay. Do you think it would have been better to open? the show like I don't think it would have been better if they would have opened the show with I'm, it's hard to, to say they could have had a better opening than what they did because the way you know uh, Dirk was standing there with his arms up and the spotlight was really cool but they could have also played that bring out your dead you know and it just goes straight I can totally see that you know but they're not like Maiden they don't always open with the first song on an album so uh, but that would have been cool man I mean I, I would have I was really, really hoping, even if I was just going to go one, if I was swapping out a song on the album, I would have, 
easily swapped out um, Soldier On for the title for the title track. You know, you know. My guess is, you know, I mean, they were saying, you know, in the interview, like he wanted to play at least three songs of new album. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they rehearsed, you know, some songs. Sure, yeah, but I think they it just didn't work out. I mean, the I pre, I mean the second. That I the that album is great, but I'm pretty sure all those songs are pretty tough to play. Oh yeah, 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 they're insane. So I hope they since they're going Australia before that they're going back to US, right? I think they're gonna rehearse more, and hopefully, I hope that they will add one or two more songs from new album by the time they go to Australia. I would just love to hear the title track. Yeah, me too. You want to hear, so we can hear Dave go, rats. (laughs) Oh man. I'm trying to think if we have any more, uh, do we, I guess, I guess we see the future of Megadeth is just moving forward. And. Oh, can I ask you a question? Sure. If you can choose any song they play, any three songs that they play with Marty, which song would you choose? Uh, you mean which three would I have wanted him to play with them? Uh-huh. Um, you mean three different ones or? Oh, it can be same. Here, let me, uh, that's an interesting thought. Let me, if I was, I would say I'd probably, let me look at my list here. If I was going, I, I would say, uh, I think it'd be cool to hear like, uh, Reckoning Day might would be cool. Oh, that's that's a great choice. Yeah, um, maybe. Uh, let's see here. What would we have here on? Uh, I thought I had countdown on here. Yeah, uh, maybe like a uh, ashes in your mouth would be cool. Oh. You know, and I, I think also something like uh like just something heavy, like uh not as fast, but like this was my life or something. That's a good one. I, I, I know that you know that album was kind of their um and not for the solos in them or anything, but just to hear the songs live. Uh I like so much of that stuff. You know what else? It'd be cool to hear something off a of risk. It'd be cool to hear him play like, you know, Prince of Darkness or something or or to even play, um, shoot, what's the song I'm thinking of here? Uh, um, like, I think it'd be cool to hear something like, uh, if they would do like time the beginning and time the end together, all as one song. I, I, I mean, I, there's a lot of songs I would want to hear. Heck, I'll be there for you would be cool to hear live. Just, you know, could you imagine your, your whole arena there? Whoa, whoa, that would have been awesome, man. That's awesome. But I was, I will, you know, all in all, I'd say I was definitely, I thought the Japanese crowd was a lot more impressive than, than, and like I said, I like the way they do it. They, they would all go crazy and then they kind of stop and let the band move on instead of, you know, dragging it out. I think that's kind of a, they could use that more. Bands could use that more. They have enough people cheering them on all the time. <laughs> 
But do, uh, so ha, have they talked about recording a new album already? Have they already? They've already mentioned that they're you know working on recording new stuff, haven't they? Or thinking about it? Or I don't think so? Because they recorded. I mean, they recorded this album kind of like when Maiden did. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they recorded it while Dave was going through cancer treatments, and 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 I know it got delayed a few times. So I'm sure they have enough materials to make album. I'll say this: when when I heard Dystopia, I hadn't heard any new Megadeth albums for a while, and when I listened to it, I remember I was just like blown away by how good it was. I I couldn't believe, you know, that this here. Let me let me pull the song list up here. It's just ah, where do I have the song list here? I've got it here. Dystopia. Okay, like the thread is real is awesome. Dystopia is awesome. Um, death from within, bullet to the brain, post American world, poisonous shadows is awesome. Uh, there's just so many good songs on there that I, I remember thinking, "Wow, this is amazing." There's no way when I heard the new album was coming out, there's no way that that album is going to be better than this. And it, it I mean, and I, they did it. I mean, the sick, the dying, and the dead is, is better, and it's a lot better. So, so in my mind, I, again, I'm thinking, how on earth do they top this? You know, it, it almost seems like an impossibility that they could top it. You know, I really, really hope that they don't change the direction. Yeah, yeah, because dystopia, uh, the new album, they they're pretty much like kind of similar direction. Yeah, they both sound great. Yeah. Uh, hopefully it's not gonna be. I mean, I like Risk, but I don't yeah. think I I don't want Dave to make Risk again at this point of their career. <laughs> well, it took a long time to get to Risk because yeah. you know they made Rust in Peace, then they made Countdown to Extinction, then they made Euthanasia, and every album was a little more and a little more, and then you know Cryptic Writings was very commercial, you know, and then of course. Risk, you know, was like the culmination of, but you know what? I, I, looking back, you know, you think, oh no, I want Holy Wars. I want, you know, I want the threat is real. I want the sick, the dying and the dead, but man, I love songs like this was my life and, um, you know, blood of heroes and just lots of random songs that have, you know, meaning to the lyrics and Dave's, that's another thing we didn't even touch on. Dave is a great lyric writer. Like, I mean, of course, you know, I mean, everyone has their, you know, bad ones every once in a while, like, hello, me, it's meet the real me, you know, stuff like that. But I mean, he's like Steve Harris, man. He, him and Steve Harris really have a lot of uh, similarities, even though their personalities seem very different. I mean, their work ethics and just the intensity that they work with and and have and and just the push that they have in themselves, the drive. Amazing. So, I also like the theme he chooses. Like he doesn't choose like you know, some fantasy. Yeah. I mean, I like fantasy theme, but he always kind of talks about real stuff. Like whether it's about drug or war, or even like a when he writes love songs, relationship. Sure. Like it's always like something really real. Yeah. So what you're basically saying is. We love Megadeth. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh man. Well, man, I, I know it's I know it's very late where you are. And what time do you have to wake up in the morning? Uh, seven. Okay, so you still got a few hours of sleep. There you go. Not too terribly bad. Uh, better than those old leave a concert at two thirty in the morning and get home at three, and then you're at the and then you're going waking up at six, right? So. But your neck, your neck won't be sore in the morning, right? <laughs> <laughs> but man, I, I gotta say again, it's uh, I thank you for doing this. Uh, it was it was kind of a short notice, but I I thought, man, the fact that you were at the Budokan Megadeth show, Marty Friedman was there. I, I know I watched it. I know Jesse watched it too. Um, we may have some commentary from Jesse on here as well. Um. He he did he did he there was a chance he was going to be on here with us he he wasn't able to make it but um if he, maybe next time maybe next time and if he gives us some commentary I'll I'll splice it in here somehow so so but I seriously I thank you for taking the time to do this and uh, it's a pleasure to chat with you again oh, thank you so much it yeah was really fun. now now I want you to do what Dave Mustaine said at the end of the concert. I want you to get off the phone and go to bed. <laughs> I will. Thank you. Hey, cheers again. Have a great have a great night. Get some rest and I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.